In this devotional, I'm going to share with you three thoughts from Isaiah 45, verses 9 through 13, where I'll ask the question, are we right to question God? Isaiah 45, verses 9 through 13 says, Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or your work has no handles. Woe to him who says to a father, what are you begetting? Or to a woman, with what are you in labor? Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and the one who formed him, ask of me things to come. Will you command me concerning my children and the works of my hands? I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their hosts. I have stirred him up in righteousness, and I will make all his ways level. He shall build my city and set my exiles free, not for price or reward, says the Lord of hosts. Isaiah 45 is talking about how Cyrus is going to be the means by which the Lord puts his people Israel back after their time in exile. And this would probably be a problem for a lot of the Israelites who are listening to Isaiah. Because after all, are you going to use this unwashed heathen to put us back into place? Won't it be from our own people that we go back to our own land? Won't it be the pride of Israel who sets us up and puts us back into place, not some godless king of the East? Well, this is the sort of complaint that Habakkuk also has. Will God use the ungodly to bring about his purposes in the world? And the answer that Isaiah gives to the people of Israel from God is simply this. You have no right to question God. You have no right to question him because he is an ultimate command of all creation. With this in mind, here are three thoughts from Isaiah 45, verses 9 through 13, answering the question, are we right to question God? Thought number one, the potter. If you've read Romans 9, you know the illusion of the potter. Can the pot say to the potter, why have you made me thus? And what a lot of people miss is that that whole idea is a prophetic idea. It's rooted in the prophetic tradition of the people of Israel. Because right here, God says through the prophet Isaiah, the pot has nothing to do with what the potter is making. And nobody can say to the potter anything about what it is that he's making, because after all, he is the one making things. You can't say to the father, why are you making your son this way? You can't say to the mother, well, what is it that you're having? You can't do any of those things because you don't have any input in that action. And this is a rebuttal to the criticism that God would use ungodly men to bring about his purposes in the world. You see, God is able to do anything he desires with anything he has made because he has made it. And since he has made it, it's his prerogative, what he does with it. Whether he is going to raise it up or bring it low, he is the one who can control that. And we need to recognize that the Lord is ultimately in control of all things, and we have no right to question him. Thought number two, God's command. God is going to command Cyrus to do these things, and he will do them. He will do everything that Isaiah is prophesying that he will do. He will send the people of Israel back out of exile 
to their homeland and rebuild the city of Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. This is something that he is going to accomplish. This is something that he is actively going to do because God has commanded it. And what we need to see is that when God commands something, that is what's going to come about. When God decrees something to happen here in the world, it will happen regardless of what we think about it. It will take place. There were many people who didn't like the idea of Jesus' substitutional sacrifice on the cross. Peter himself being one. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, get behind me, Satan. He says, stop tempting me. He says, you don't know this, but you will deny me even though you think so much of yourself. And that's something that we need to really understand about our position in the world is that what God commands, he brings about, and it doesn't matter if we think it's a good idea or not. We need to accept that which God has decreed and rejoice in the fact that he has been kind to his people. Thought number three, stirred up. Ultimately, the Lord is going to stir Cyrus up and he's going to stir him up to do precisely what he intends. And when he does this, he fulfills all of these prophecies that he has made. When he does this, he fulfills the covenant promises that he has with his people. And he shows himself to be faithful. And this is a beautiful thing that God would stir up even an ungodly man like Cyrus to bring about his purposes in the world. And we need to trust that ultimately, regardless of what we experience happening in the world, that God is stirring up both his people and those who reject him to bring about his purposes in the world so that his ultimate glory will be witnessed by all of creation. This is something that we as believers in the text of scripture embrace and rejoice in, that God has the power to do whatever it is he has desired with his creation, and we have no right to question him. These three thoughts come from the assigned reading of Isaiah chapters 45 through 50. If you'd like to read through the Bible with me, you can do so by subscribing to this channel, by clicking on the link in the description, or by joining the Facebook group Through the Bible, where we are reading the text of scripture together 